Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast with Diana Crash, founder of Good Vibes Marketing. Good Vibes Marketing provides organic content and marketing solutions to the cannabis space. And this is Leah, co-founder of BakeSmart. Our can of cows are the first edible safety designs for cannabis-infused foods. Anyone from your child to your grandmother will understand when a food is medicated as long as it's marked with our edible green crosses. Hi, Leah. How are you doing today? (laughs) I am doing so well because I'm so excited about this uh, this episode All that right. we're recording. I'm excited for you. What, you want to share what we're going to talk about? <laughs> oh, one of my favorite. Or you want to just let people guess? <laughs> I want. Yes. I want to let I mean, them this guess. Is your, this is your jam. This, this is, is my jam. jam. This is my jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about how you can become an activist to create change uh, because there have been a lot of discussions lately, at least I've seen, um, about how, you know, we're all getting excited about how this industry is changing. It could be different than all the rest of them, but there are are a lot of things that aren't changing. And there are a lot of things that are kind of keeping us back from that happening. So in order for that to not be an issue in the future, we can all try to be activists in our own right, or advocates at least, um, and try to just tune in to what's really, really important in this industry, at least in my opinion, I guess I should say. Uh, but it should be kind of everyone's concern, really, if you're in- involved in this industry. Um, but before we get started, we're not going to do our favorite things today, right? No, because we have so much to talk about, yeah. about advocacy yeah. and 420 and all these great things. Right. And uh, we can start with an exciting announcement. Um, so we're always talking about how we want some kind of, you know, feedback from our listeners. Um, and believe it or not, we don't get any. <laughs> <laughs> so we're perfect. We are so perfect. Yeah. I mean, pretty There's much. No improvement. <laughs> that's, that's how I take it. It's like, mm. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, come on now, literally could come up with lists for days, but, uh, we really do appreciate feedback and we really do want to hear what people want to listen to, you know? Um, and I know there's no shortage, shortage of podcasts out there. So, you know, we're not trying to say that we're like better than anyone else or anything like that. We just want to improve as much as possible. Um, so I'll stop rambling. (laughs) And say that, seriously, why don't you chip in here what are we going to offer people <laughs> if they give us a suggestion leah <laughs> well they we are giving away something that i love i've reviewed it before and i absolutely am in love with the breaking the grass ceiling women weed and business book by ashley Pichello and lauren divine if you are a woman a woman in cannabis and you do not have this book you have to 
enter our contest to win this book. We have four signed copies. So what do they have to do to win this book, Diana? Well, they have to email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com and let us know of a topic that they would like to have us feature in a future episode and also give us their mailing address so that we can get the book out right away if you win. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking, well, I'm not going to enter because they probably already have some winners. And the answer to that is absolutely not. (laughs) Do not assume that people have already jumped to this. Go ahead, send in your name because you never know. Maybe we'll have some little bonus offer to offer somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to be looking for some codes for 420 to offer to people. So, so please do reach out, give us some ideas, or even just, if you don't have an idea for a show, just say, Hey, suggest a guest, Um, any kind of suggestions. Maybe don't ramble so much ladies. Uh, Maybe quit the F bombs. We don't know because nobody tells us. Yeah. Don't tell us to go fuck off. Oh my God. I yeah. don't think that's a suggestion we need. Let's, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. That's not, that won't be a qualifier. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you could tell us to do that as well. <laughs> but, do, but do enter. <laughs> but give us your mailing address when you do it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. But back to the book for just a second. Um, this book, this book truly is a great book for women in cannabis, and the reason for that is it's the collection of stories of I think twenty-one or twenty-two women, and all in different areas of the cannabis space, um, all who are doing great things, and they all have their own unique perspective and their own unique experiences, um, and a lot of wisdom to share with all of us. There's some activism. There's edible makers. Um, there are who else, Diana? I'm drawing a blank here. God, there's so well, many. Well, we have uh, uh, a couple of people that have been on our podcast in the past. Um, we have Heidi Keys, who's the founder of Puff Pass and Paint, and she's the co-founder of CannabisTours.com, and she was one of our earlier guests, one of our first guests, really. Um, we have Wanda James, who is the founder of Simply Pure, and she's an incredible pioneer. Um, Let's see who else has been on the show. That's it. Well, the author has been on the show. But there's just a lot of there's a lot of women here too. <laughs> there's a lot of women here who are are changing the industry right. for the good. And and there's two of my favorite people, Julie Dooley and Karen Lazarus. They both have edible companies in Colorado. Um, and they're featured in this book. And so, you know, if you're if you're thinking about getting in the industry or you're already in the industry, read this book because the experience and the knowledge coming out of it, you really can't get without talking to a bunch of different people. Here it is all collected for you. One of the best takeaways for me that I got from this book was, you know, you can have an attorney for your business, Mm -hmm. but that attorney is not looking out for your personal interests. So you could literally be kicked out of your company Mm -hmm. um, if if your rights aren't protected. So I was like, oh, dang, I'm getting my own personal attorney because, and it's not expensive either right. to get your own personal attorney. It sounds daunting, but that's a subject for another Right. Podcast. When we have an attorney <laughs> to talk to. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, but there, there are some amazing attorneys out there, just to say. Um, so, yes, please email us. Let us know what you want to hear, who you want to hear, how you want to hear it. And we will, in turn, send you a book that is autographed. And well, we only have four copies, so it's only four people. But we're going to put everybody's right. name. I should have said that. And we well, are going to do this very right. 
democratically. Yes, yes, exactly. We're putting the cart before the horse here. At least I am. Um, <laughs> basically, we'll have um, instructions on the recap just to make sure you know that everyone understands. But um, we're going to do a drawing, and we're going to have a bonus episode on 420 announcing the winner Yay! and it's just going to be a little tiny episode it's not going to be a real it's just gonna be a little bonus um we're going to announce the winner and we're going to announce some codes some discount codes from previous guests that you can use to buy amazing products so look forward to that all right now moving on instead of talking about our favorite things this episode as we said uh, we're going to talk about some amazing groups that are doing amazing things in this space um, that pertains to the topic we're talking about today, which is, again, guidelines for becoming an activist to create change. So I'm going to start with one of my favorites that I talk about all the time, and that is Minorities for Medical Marijuana. Um, Minorities for Medical Marijuana is a nonprofit organization, and they're based in Florida, but they're all their branches are popping up everywhere. Um, so if you would like to join, go to minorities with the number four medical marijuana.org. And the founder is Roz McCarthy and she's been on our show a couple of times. So check her out please, because she's amazing and she's doing incredible things. Um, well, who's next Leah? Oh, like we have so many. So there's NCIA also is another group um, that does Mm -hmm. lobbying days and NCIA is just NCIA.com. We're going to have links to all of this too. So don't feel Mm -hmm. like you have to memorize this, but they're another great group. Um, Yeah. We had uh, Mandy uh, Tingle on our show who is- Tingler. Tingler. Thank you. Gosh. And uh, she's the business development person at NCIA. And we hope to have a couple more NCIA people on our show in the future. Um, But they're a great group that do huge lobby day events. Um, It's a great way to get involved and to kind of learn the process. And uh, I really like that. And then there's also local groups too, that you can join. Mm -hmm. Like, Like I know here in Oregon, another group that I love is Orca. It's the Oregon Retailers um, Cannabis Association. And they actually do huge lobby days also, and they do local lobby days, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. I was able to do one of those. And um, it really helps open your eyes up to how you really can affect change. Like the day we went to the lobby day, um, they had a bill to to raise the taxes, um, the city taxes on dispensaries. And because of our voice saying, look, we're not making that much money and we have to be able to afford to pay workers, they um, dropped the bill. It just died. Mm-hmm. So it was, you can affect change at, at even just a very local level, which we'll talk more about that, why that's really important. But that's another group, to NCIA. Absolutely. And I can't wait to go to the lobby days that they're going to have here in December. I mean, December, D.C. in May. (laughs) I don't know. I said Um, I want to go because that's such a big deal to be able to. It is. Like you said, affect change in real time and, you know, see it happen. It's that's so exciting. Um, So we also would like to shout out to some other organizations here. well, one of them is not really an organization, but we brought them up earlier in the last episode. 421, which we discussed in the last episode, is, uh, I guess you would say it's a movement, and and I guess they are an organization. They're just not in the typical sense that you you think, like MCBA and everything, but they're building up, and they're, they're doing um, a lot of good work when it comes to policy change, uh, 
for instance, April 21st, they're going to have a worldwide benefit um, and New York City's Chelsea Music Hall. And it's going to be considered a live aid for cannabis justice. So if you can attend that, if you're in New York, um, that's on 421. Definitely check it out because I think that that's going to be an incredible opportunity. And there's going to be some um, uh, some other organizations there representing like Drug, Pol- Drug Policy Alliance, Cage Free Repair, National Bailout, and Veterans Health Solutions. And we'll have links for that as well in the recap. Um, but there, I think that it's really important too is to remember that when you go to these conferences, like the, the one you're just talking about, is go up to these booths mm-hmm. and talk to them and ask how can you get involved. Mm-hmm. That's a really easy thing to mm-hmm. do, and and they all need help. I mean, they're all short staffed. Right. I mean, if you can, I mean, like whatever your talent is, you'd be surprised. I mean, Roz McCarthy of M4MM Minorities for Mar- Medical Marijuana, like we just talked about, she she'll talk to you and she'll say, Hey, what's going on? What can I, you know, she is such an incredible person when it comes to trying to find ways to connect people and, and their strengths and their talents and all that. So if you reach out to her and say, Hey, how can I help your organization? I'm sure she'll give you an answer. (laughs) I'm positive she will. So, um, just do it. Don't be afraid. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. Your next thing that we're talking about. Uh, another group that I really like is the California Cannabis Industry Association. Um, they're another great association that's affecting change in California. Uh, California is a state that's got a lot of issues and a lot of voices are needed to be heard there. Mm-hmm. So another great group. Um, I know that there's so many. We could go on and on and on about all mm-hmm. the great groups um, that they're out there. But just look. Look for them. Uh, we'll have some links to our favorites, but also look at these conferences, go to the activism um, booths and say, Hey, you know, how, how can I help? And mm-hmm. what are you about? And just learn about it. And because I've learned that, and we'll just go into this, this whole, how do you, how do you do this guidelines for doing this? I actually learned recently um, that it's really easy to have, to create a bill, uh, to talk to the senators. I went and talked to um, an assemblyman. Um, I went to a senator's office, a congressman's mm-hmm. office in California, and then I went to the state capitol with another um, activist, and uh, and we went to four different senators' offices, and they were all they all took time to sit down with us, talk to us, and it, we didn't see the senators, but we saw the people that talked to the senators and get them, you know, like, hey, this happened. Uh, what do you want to do about this? And they were all very, very receptive to us. That's and the amazing. good thing is. It was really amazing. But the thing about it is, is that especially your local representatives, they they want to hear you. So Mm -hmm. many people don't even go into these offices. Um, When we went in, we went in to talk about marking edibles and protecting children. And they were like, yeah, nobody's even brought this issue up. Wow. We're like, what? And they're like, yeah, this is a really great issue, though. And one of the offices of the uh, senator in California, Senator Glazer's office, he was like, look, if you want to do a bill, uh, we write the bill. We ha- we do the hard work for you. You just fill out a form and say, this is what you want. And then we just work with you on it. And then also, if you want to help your senator get uh, co-sponsors to a bill that you're helping with, 
you can actually get them to write a letter and then you can go deliver this and talk to the different senators. But if you don't want to do that, if you're shy, uh, they'll do it for you. But I was just learning all this incredible information just by visiting the local offices and then being inspired to just go to the state capitol and say, Mm -hmm. look, we're just going to go straight to the senators. And every single person was so open, so warm, so helpful. Um, You know, you kind of have to have your questions, right? Because of course, they don't know what exactly you're looking for. Right. So you just really have to start asking the hard questions like, how can I do this? And, and please give me guidelines and who else do I need to contact? And we have, I have so many notes for that. I have so much work to do after those visits because everyone was so generous with their um, information and support. So I really encourage you to do it. And I'm kind of an introvert. I mean, even though I sort of an extrovert, <laughs> okay. I know it depends. Like, I, but I don't like going out no, of my I'm comfort zone. Way. People are like you, like, an introvert. I'm like, yes, exactly. actually I am. I, I would say I, I'm, I'm hesitant to approach people that I don't know about exactly. something I'm very excited about. <laughs> and then, and then also you're excited about it, but you don't know. Well, what you don't even know if your idea is like, feasible as far as a bill goes or a law goes or a regulation or anything. So it's really intimidating. And plus it's, you know, the Senator's office and um, it's very intimidating in a way, or at least for me it was. And so it was just so nice to go in there and have them be so accepting and so warm. And I'm like, wow, I could just totally do this. I could completely see myself being a lobbyist because it really was a great experience. I, and I, I know from the lobby days, um, it's the same experience, but there were so many people for lobby days, you know, that's a different than going in on your own or with one other person and being like, Hey, can you listen to us? Um, so, so yeah, so do it. I mean, start small, just go to your city offices, see who supports cannabis. Mm-hmm. and go from there. Absolutely. I am so excited to try this out my own. <laughs> and I know, exactly. like, I'm sure there is some kind of guide. Um, actually, I know for a fact that there is somebody out there that's training people to talk to um, to legislators in this industry. And I have to find that link and I'll put it in the recap because I know it's someone we mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am actually almost positive that the MCBA has something about how you can approach um, legislators. And also, I think that Roz does as well. But the point being, it's not I think as... I does too. Right. And I, it's, not as, it's not as terrifying as it seems. It's not as daunting as it seems. Um, and just have to get over that initial hump. And I'm so, so surprised to hear you tell me about how you just fill out a form. And I've interviewed so many politicians over the last several years, and I've never even knew that 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 was a possibility you know yeah they give you it's the forms all filled out and it has questions and you answer the questions and according to george at senator glazer's office uh they will work on the bill wow and you know i'm sure it's a little more entailed than that i'm sure he was simplifying it to a large degree but it's a start, right? Yeah. And then you keep on them. Sure. And you keep bugging them. What's happening with this? And then you can even schedule an appointment with the senator themselves. And that's a little more detailed. Mm-hmm. And they give you a form to fill out and you say why you want to talk to them. But I I was just so encouraged by it because it is intimidating. Even going to the state capitol, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start, where to look for the office. Like, how do I even get up to the office? But everyone there was just so nice. They're used to people coming in and not knowing, you know, 
where they need to be. And, and like I said, everyone in the state capitol in California, everyone in the, in the uh, senator's offices were really nice. And I even spoke to Senator Ron um, Wyden's office here in Oregon, and they were also very supportive and very kind. And so um, I'll be, you know, meeting with them. So really take it from someone who does not like to go out of her comfort zone. This was a big leap for me and it was so easy. And if I can do it, literally anybody can do it. Um, I like the sound of that. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I'm always saying. And you know, I need help in this direction. I talk to policymakers and legislators all the time with my writing, but actually being there in person, that's daunting to me, but I need to get over that. And as we've talked about before, I, I need to have that confidence that I tell everybody else to have, right? Um, right. Because it's the only right. way I can exactly. really put my figurative money where my mouth is, even though I don't really have any money to put there, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have to, you will, I have you to walk the, the, do the work, you know, I have to walk the walk as, as they say. Um, and I think that for me, my first step is going to lobby days because I, I want to see how it all works before yes. I just dive in. And I think that's a good start for a lot of people. And if you can't afford lobby days or tickets to any of these events, cause we should mention that as well, because some of these things are pretty expensive. Um, you know, see if there's some, another way that you can talk to your, uh, legislators or see if there's just like some other type of low-key gathering of sorts that doesn't have to involve so much money and, and, and travel and everything like that because there's plenty plenty to do in this industry um you put a really good link on here about finding your local legislators we're going to put that in the recap and there's so many bills going on that you can follow um on con congress.gov and we have a link to that too yeah um we also have a link to a great article um, that was written by someone who went to the South by Southwest and mm -hmm. just kind of the changes that she saw and the changes that were needed. And she has a great quote from that article that I wanted to read. And it's uh, Patrice Coulter, Colors. Uh, she's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. and she's active in um, she was active in fighting for Proposition sixty four to legalize cannabis in California. And she has this great uh, quote about how we can implement inclusion in the industry. And she said, city by city, state by state, local implementation and local oversight of the industry is going to be key. So if we want equalization for women, if we want to protect children, whatever it is that our cause is, we have to start city by city, state by state and and locally implement this. And so don't feel like you've got to go to DC lobby days to effectuate change. Really, it starts with your city, especially like, let's say your city's banning marijuana. Find out why. Get all the reasons why, especially if you want a dispensary in your town or you want delivery service in your town. I know that that's becoming a huge problem in California where cities who have banned dispensaries now are banning delivery service. Mm. That's not cool because mm -hmm. there are patients there that can't drive right. to go get their medicine. Mm -hmm. So these are things that are really easy to um to help mm -hmm. change um a lot easier than you think because a lot of times the people that are pro mm -hmm. um either they're few and far between or maybe they're just they just don't have the support they need so go be there for them mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we're talking about all of this, I think with me, my big problem is I'm thinking, you know, national, like you just said, you don't have to go to DC. It's, it, you don't have to go all the way to the top or, or, or think so far ahead. You know, you have to think about the details first, take the small baby steps, which we're not all good right. at doing, you know, um, <laughs> some of us try to run before we crawl. And, you know, like you were just saying, there's so many different issues, like just the delivery one. That's a huge issue. Um, Dude. Huge. And that's something that has so many different layers to it that, you know, it's like, let's look at that. What is the real, like, what is the crux of this argument? You know, and a lot of times it's misinformation. The people that are against it are against it because right. they heard a rumor, you know, or whatever. So freaking try to find a way to fight that right i mean that's all we can do well they they always they still associate um so so when we were talking to the legislators in brentwood california Mm -hmm. they um the reason people didn't want marijuana in their cities or dispensaries in their cities is because they feel it brings a lower um echelon you know like people it brings a lower class drug addicts and you know heroin addicts and all these different things and we know those of us in legal cities with dispensaries know that that is not the case at all it is grandmas it is teachers it's professionals um and so it's it's really just misinformation like you said and so you have to go in there as a professional and say look this isn't the case mm-hmm. dispensaries are going to bring money and commerce to the city and so why not let's do this in the right way we won't have it by schools and you know guarantee that and dispensaries are being banned in cities um, because people think that, you know, marijuana is still like an illicit drug and it's going to bring like that kind of Mm -hmm. element and it's going to endanger our children. And the reality is it's not. It's school teachers, it's professionals, it's doctors, it's older people. Um, It's a it is it's everybody just like it's going just to normal people <laughs> it is. It really i'm so is. sick of it's the like qualifiers you know like i'm so, I'm so over the whole like oh well they have a job they have who cares if you are sick or you want any kind of improvement on your life and you want a better quality of life that's all that matters that's all that should matter honestly right but um unfortunately right. you know with these d- d- detractors we have and the um opponents they're all oh well this is going to increase crime and da, da, da. when there's so much evidence that that's the opposite is the is actually true so i mean in in, in your state alone right where it's recreational hasn't the crime gone down i mean i know it did in colorado so it's like i know it did in colorado i don't know if it's gone down i haven't looked into we it have yeah, other issues right yeah <laughs> But but it's not proven that crime goes no. up. Um, you know, crime is crime. People are desperate no matter right. what. If they're not gonna if they're not gonna rob a dispensary, then they're gonna rob something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? If if you're desperate, right. you're desperate. It's just an opportunity is what it is. And so but it doesn't bring more crime and and, and they are finding that in studies too. It, it's just it's just more um, fear mongering. Yes, exactly. Fear mongering. And and the only way to fight that is with <laughs> yeah logic basically and so like you said you are more of an expert than you think you are and don't be afraid just to ask some questions or to say hey how can i get involved and then go from there um and and you know we all need to get better at it i think we we all can be better we do we do we all we all need to and that's hard though because like i'm pretty insecure Mm -hmm. you need confidence sometimes to do that and we have a great article about 
confidence. Like it, it is such a great article about it. It explains what confidence really mm-hmm. is. And and you're already halfway there. If you believe in something, you're already halfway there to being confident and going in and talking about it. Because once you start talking about something you believe in, you have that confidence. You have that deep belief that this mm-hmm. is right. This is what I believe, this is mm-hmm. what I know. And, and so really just keeping that with you when you go into these places, when you're talking about your business, when you're talking about something you're passionate about, this is something you truly believe you have confidence in this. So again, it goes back to you're more of an expert than you know. When you really start talking to people, mm-hmm. listen to yourself. What is it that you're really championing for? What is it that is yeah. like your cause? And then start going, okay, well, how can I get this out on a bigger on yeah. a bigger platform? And because it's, I guarantee you, it's not the same as everyone else's, you know? What gets you excited is probably not the same as what gets your your neighbor or your best friend or whoever. You know, it's, we all have our, our special thing that makes us get up in the morning and do this every day, right? So, um, and it might not even right. be what you think it is. You might actually go to one of these events and go and see, talk to legislators, legislatures. Ugh, am I saying that right? <laughs> anyway, yeah. You know, I, I find that when I go out and talk to people, when I actually do get over the fear of, of doing that, um, I'm like, you know what? There are some things that really excite me about this industry that I hadn't even really thought of before. So, you know, I think that um, this could all lead to good things because I really forgot where I was going with that sentence. <laughs> Man, I am full of uh, wisdom today. This is why you're taking the lead on this one. <laughs> I- uh, I'm, and I'm not because, of course, I'm sitting here just sucking on my white box one to one. Then, so. <laughs> oh no! Oh goodness! All right. I know. All right. We are we are so bad. But, but anyway, we are doing this all because we activism is what brought about legalization. Right. And for 420, this is a great topic. It is a great time on 420. Go out to all these different celebrations. Um, If you're not in a state where you can celebrate, you can't travel, go online because online, I think Greenflower Media always does a 420 special thing. Um, We'll put some links to maybe some online Mm -hmm. events, but just get involved that way too. You know, comment, find out who's doing what, listen to all these different things because 420 isn't just an in-person thing. It's all over the internet too. People are celebrating all over and it is a wonderful day to come together, have your voice heard, find like-minded people and really keep effectuating change because there is so much more change that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like marking edibles. Right. I'm going to say that till I die. Mark your edibles. And and I'll say till I die, don't, you know, have all this fun on 420 (laughs) without forgetting what is really, really moving this industry forward. Um, Because, you know, hey, let's have fun, right? But let's not forget what we all need to be focused on. And that is change. Let's, let's make change really happen. Um, And not just be like, oh, yeah, sure. uh." (laughs) Let's do it. Hey, you know, one thing, one thing I want to just interject just as a closer here, because it's something you're very passionate about. And it's actually a really um, amazing um, situation in California that's happening, but it's about criminal expungement, criminal record expungement. And that is such a huge, and you are like a bit, I mean, that's your, that's your jam, baby. That's another one of your little jams. And it's really exciting because Gavin Newsom got the whole algorithm system to just automatically expunge 
criminal records for marijuana possession that met a certain criteria. Now, I don't know enough about that criteria. We'll get the link up to the article. But um, I thought that was amazing. And that's something that all kinds of people can do. Because if California has already done it, use it as your example in other states that you want to make this happen. It sounded like it was just so easy. And it's the people that have the records don't even have to do anything. It's automatically mm-hmm. expunged. Mm-hmm. Comments? <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people are doing clinics as well uh, for expungement, but that is incredible, the automatic expungement. I mean, that is blows my mind, really. Um, that is a huge issue, and it's not just something that I'm passionate about. A lot of people are passionate about it, as they should be, because we, as a country, imprison way too many people and they're treated inhumanely because of having what a joint or even it doesn't even matter it's nonviolent crimes there it's not rehabilitation and we need a serious serious reform all the way around justice system i don't even like calling it that because there's no justice really um but i could go on literally all day about that so i'll just say (laughs) no that i mean you're making such a valid point because the three strikes law it was such a bad law because there is a i I know in louisiana there's a man he had one joint in his pocket and he's serving 13 Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. for one joint in louisiana i mean that is that is criminal yep that sentence is criminal. I mean, you just, this is a, this is a huge issue and it's one that um, affects every single state mm-hmm. because every single state has people in prison for minor marijuana possessions that we consider minor ma- marijuana possessions yeah. now. I mean, even, I mean, one even joint, major ones, I not think even the, the, the punishment does not fit the action. I don't even want to call it a crime because how many of us have been walking down the street with, you know, something in our purse or I know, pocket or whatever. And, I mean, it's just, I can't I, even. Truly. Yeah, exactly. I know. And, and even if it's more, I there's mean, always a reason. And most of those reasons are because of income inequality, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and, and, and they're living in areas where there's, there's really no other choice to create income for your family. I mean, there's so many layers to it. That mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And, and, and I'm, that's what I say when you need to have that at the forefront, um, on 420, get as high as you want, but don't forget about that, you know, because that is, that is what this industry has built itself on. Unfortunately, that's the other side of it that we, we don't talk about enough, but we need to talk about it more. So no, we do. Um, yeah, we do. And I just wanted to add that because I had, it was something that I you was wanted to get me around. Okay. <laughs> I, I did. Okay. Let's, let's just, yeah, I, I, did. I know. I, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even, a, I'm not in a riled up mood today, so it's okay. That was me being calm. <laughs> anyway, you know what? Yeah. You just need this white fox one to one, and I know you can't get it where you are. And I, I, I just wish this girl could. Well, once it becomes legal across the nation, you've got to get this because it is amazing. Do you see how calm I am? Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, I need to. Uh... I'm, I'm a, I'm a B type personality right now. I am not an A anymore. Thank you, white fox. Thank that. you, Scarlett. That would take like a severe <laughs> amount of white fox. That would be like you know, because you're like triple A, so you got to get it down. Uh, so maybe you're just like type A. No. <laughs> anyway, um, so basically, oh I think we've talked about this enough, but um, like we said in the beginning, email us suggestions, please, 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 and we will enter you to win this fabulous book, 
Breaking the Glass Ceiling by Ashley Pichelow and Lauren Devine, or Devine, I'm not sure how she pronounces it. We should check on that. Um, <laughs> and please, please, please check out these amazing organizations that we're going to link to in our recap. Try to get involved in any way you can, uh, because we are in a desperate need right now to keep going forward in the right direction in this industry. So, um, yeah. Anything you want to add? Definitely. Leah? No, just happy 420, everyone. I know it's a little early, but it's going to be coming. And so enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, 420 happens every day at some point, right? <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. But, but this is my advice to everybody on 420. Just make good choices. Make right. good choices. Maybe call an Uber if you have to. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to have to. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening and we appreciate your support and we look forward to hearing from you until next time. Bye. Our first guest is Marissa Fratoni. Marissa Fratoni is a holistic registered nurse who specializes in women's health, behavioral health, and cannabinoid therapeutics. Marissa firmly believes that the integration of conventional and non-traditional care techniques is essential for healing the whole person. She also believes cannabis is necessary medicine and advocates for the therapeutic use of cannabis as often as she can. So, Marissa, how did you become a cannabis nurse? Uh, pretty much by accident. Um, I uh, was a visiting nurse and... Mm -hmm. Um, I had a particularly bad week and I decided that I needed to uh, look for another agency. Um, so I started to throw out resumes to other visiting nursing agencies. And um, I had come across um, a local sort of a, like a um, an evening news follow up um, called Chronicle in New England. Um, and I had seen uh, Dr. Uma Donabalan, who is a very well-known recommending cannabis physician, speak about medical cannabis on the show. And I don't know, sort of on a whim, I decided to look into that. I knew the medical dispensaries were starting to open in Massachusetts. And I came across one that was pretty local to me, and they were seeking health professionals. And so I just threw out my resume. And a few weeks later, they called and asked if I would be interested in taking a position there. So that's how I ended up in the cannabis space, really. Wow. Um, yep. That's cool. <laughs> um, and I've been in ever since. I've been in since, um, you know, I, I, that, that was in uh, very early 2016. So That's awesome. Um, so yeah. basically, the next question, you just kind of answered that. But um, if you want to expand a little bit more, how does your previous per professional experience shape the work that you do in the cannabis space? So I am really, um, I, you know, I'm a patient advocate. Um, one of the things that I found working in the dispensary was that, you know, my patients um, were really, they were finding a great deal of uh, relief from their symptoms. Um and, you know, even before I entered the cannabis space, I was, uh, you know, I was as, as visiting nurse, I was seeing patients not use their medications. And basically that means that they were non-compliant with their med regimen set forth by their physicians. Mm -hmm. And very often this creates an issue, but I noticed that my patients um, in several cases were getting well. Yeah. So I needed to know more about that. And, um, you know, I had a good rapport with uh, quite a few of my patients and they said, yeah, I'm, I'm using, um, you know, I'm smoking pot. I'm using, I'm using weed. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
And um, and that certainly transferred into the, the dispensary on a greater scale. Yeah. I saw patients who had really significant disease processes, you know, find a great deal of relief from this, you know, this cannabinoid therapeutic medicine. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, what does your work with Cannamami.org entail? So I provide educational-based consultations um, for uh, people in general, um, women, men, um, but mainly parents. Um, We help them, um, you know, make informed choices, help them understand, you know, the endocannabinoid system, why uh, cannabinoid therapeutics is a thing, um, how to use cannabis safely and effectively, um, you know, how to keep children safe, mm-hmm. how to talk to children about, you know, cannabis use. Um, it really runs the gamut. I try to um, focus on a few different health concerns that some of my uh, clients may have. Mm-hmm. We talk about that. But yeah, for the most part, my role is to educate them, help them fill in some of the gaps mm-hmm. so that they may make better informed decisions about choosing products right. or you know, making sure that they're using it uh, safely. Mm. I think what you're doing is really awesome um, on Canamami and just all around. You have a lot going on. And on in that regard, let's talk about your yoga practice. Um, how does... Or in what ways does your yoga practice intersect with cannabis at all, if it if at all? Well, yoga, you know, a meditation yoga practice. So when we talk about yoga, we talk about the asana practice mm-hmm. in this culture, mm-hmm. and that means you know the active practice, the movement. Right. Um, and meditation also, you know, it plays in um, as well. Mm-hmm. And both of these practices, you know, either integrated or separate, they upregulate the cannabinoid system. So mm-hmm. we don't necessarily need to use. Uh, phytocannabinoids in order to stimulate this system. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, they really do complement each other, or one can be used without the other, you know, right. for similar effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I teach, I primarily teach um, women, I teach prenatal yoga, um, mm-hmm. I teach tiny human yoga, I teach little kids. Um, and then I, I also teach postnatal yoga as well. Yeah. So um, I help people, you know, um, in a lot of cases, I just help people understand how to use these tools that already exist within their bodies and how to stimulate this endocannabinoid system so that they improve their health and well-being. That's awesome. I, I think the pre, prenatal yoga that I, I did and the um, addition of CBD made a world of difference with my actual delivery, I think. Um how do you balance all your jobs? You have a lot going on. <laughs> so uh, fortunately, I um, get to work from home very often. Um, I am affiliated with a local yoga studio and ha- I have been there for quite a long time. Um, but other than that, I'm pretty much, you know, home. I, I write a lot. Um, and then I am out in the community um, you know, a few times a month doing um, some educational events. But for the most part, yeah, um, my I think my online persona, I, ha- I wear a lot of hats, but it's, it's pretty amazing what you can do now with a computer and a phone from just about anywhere. So very true. Um, and very you know, true. balancing, I, I am a mom. And um, uh-huh. I think the greatest challenge is how do I balance my career and being a mom who's 
present and available. Um, so I think that's my greatest challenge. Um, and very often I just, you know, because I am an entrepreneur, I'm allowed to, um, I, I feel that I can allow myself to say, okay, I need to take a break. I need to mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I'll come back to it when, you know, that's my priority. When momming is, you know, less of a priority, my daughter is okay, we're good, um, she doesn't need me as much, I can go and focus on my career a little bit. That's awesome. Um, what advice do you have for women in the health industry who want to make the transition into cannabis? Um, dig into the research. Um, really, really learn mm -hmm. about the endocannabinoid system. Learn about phytocannabinoids. Um, really endeavor to invest in learning about this system and the way that the plant interacts with the system. Um, that is our main goal right now in our community is, you know, that is the real basic need. Um, people need to learn about, you know, cannabis. And um, I think that is, for any woman who wants to get into this space, that is a really, really necessary um, aspect um, for anyone who wants to be a cannabis professional to have a really good foundation on. We're unfortunately seeing too many people in the space that don't have that foundation, and it's really detrimental to the community. So educate, educate, educate. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Cannamommy is a good resource, and I think you your blog is also a really great place to start or your website I don't, I don't know what you want to call it but um you have a lot going on that and and people can learn a lot from you you're definitely a, a invaluable resource in this industry um so do you have anything specific to promote or a call to action I mean you can I'm sure you have a list of things <laughs> going on right now um I mean the main thing is you know in terms of call to action um as a health professional you know I I um, and I've, I've touched on this on my blog and my writing and, and um, you know, in some of the articles I've published and health professionals really mm -hmm. need to start to pay attention to cannabinoid therapeutics, um, especially, mm -hmm. I mean, well, not especially in legal states and, and um, states that have varying degrees of decriminalization, medicalization and legalization. You know, we have this knowledge now that patients are using cannabis and, um, Health professionals at this point really do need to pay attention. We have patients that are using cannabis and they're also using prescribed medications or they're using over-the-counter medications. And we don't have a full understanding of how these medications interact. But the bottom line is the patient deserves um, oversight and guidance from qualified health professionals. It's a dropped ball when we're allowing patients, well, not really allowing, but when patients are basically seeking out cannabinoid therapeutics on their own, navigating the space on their own, and then when they go to their physician or their health provider, their nurse practitioner, they're not helped at all, um, you know? And so that's a big dropped ball. So that's, I would say, the greatest call to action I can make is health professionals, you need to start to pay attention and learn about cannabinoid therapeutics and the endocannabinoid system. So, And patients need to demand that of their healthcare providers as well, yeah, and, I think, too. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, I, you know, I, I, um, I interact with a lot of women, especially who, you know, they speak... Mm -hmm 
cannabinoid therapeutics during some of these really sensitive times that we have in our lives. The childbirthing period is one of those. And, you know, a lot of times what what I find, uh, what what's reported to me is that, you know, a woman will say, I'm interested in using cannabis because I can't stop you know, they have hyperemesis gravidarum. So they have this extreme version of nausea and vomiting. And, you know, they risk losing their babies. They're even, you know, they risk, you know, um, significant problems for their own health. And so they're interested in using cannabis. And if they open up to their doctor about it, too often that doctor shuts them down, tells them that they're, mm-hmm. they don't, um, they're not going to condone cannabis use. And then that communication line is completely shut down. And for me, I have to wonder how many women are not disclosing their use for fear of, you know, being shut down by the physician. And then the other component of that is um, what risks is she putting herself in, you know, as a result of not having any guidance or oversight from that doctor. So, right. Yeah, no, I I totally get that from a personal level as well. Uh, I just think that we also need to like bring the research that we know we have and yeah. and tell the doctors this is changing my life. Like this, you need to look at this. You know, absolutely. And, um, yep. And we need to stop just revering doctors as like these <laughs> people that have nothing to learn. So, um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a rant there. <laughs> We need more responsible healthcare professionals out there like you. Yeah. Um, and honestly, and your health provider worth their salt is right. you know, honestly willing to learn throughout their career in their lifespan. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, so thank you so much for taking your time with us today. And I would love to have you back on anytime because you're just so awesome and you have so much to share. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Marissa. I look forward to meeting again for sure. I'm very excited to introduce our next guest, Emily Elmond. Emily is the Director of Infused Product Development at In Good Health in Massachusetts. Emily made her first batch of edibles in 2006 and became an activist for legalization in 2010. She was elected to the Board of Directors for Massachusetts Normal, where she was the head of sponsorship acquisition from 2012 to 2014, and also began working in hemp retail in 2012. She was hired in good health in April 2016 as a production assistant and was promoted to head production for the infusion department. In her new position as director of infused product development, she develops all of the recipes, performs research and development, creates training materials, documentation practices, sources equipment, and designs packaging for all the new and existing products. She also works through a partner company as a consultant designing kitchens for other dispensaries. Wow, Emily, (laughs) welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Well, you have such a rich history. I'd really like to kind of start from the beginning and dive into a little bit about um, how activism then led you into being on the board of Normal. Uh, okay. Well, um, I like uh, like you said, I uh, made my first batch of edibles in 2006, and I enjoyed consuming cannabis, but <clears throat> it never really occurred to me that it should be legal. Um, and then I met one of my very good friends now. Her name is Kara Crab Burnham, and she was involved with Massachusetts Normal. And she was really uh, the catalyst for my um, involvement in legalization um, and 
you know, my becoming an activist, she inspired me and uh, kind of shed light on the fact that there are so many communities disproportionately affected by the war on drugs. And it's really uh, completely unfair. It's unjust and, to be quite frank, um, cruel. Um, and the basis for the war on drugs and for uh, le- uh, making cannabis illegal is, is rooted in racism. And <clears throat> nobody should be put in jail for growing a plant that, in its unadulterated state, is consumed for health benefits. So that's really how I got, um, how I was inspired to to join join the the force uh, to to fight for legalization. Um, I attended the Northeastern Institute of Cannabis as well, so I did get. Um, I, I have been trained and am certified to work in the industry. Although the school did not receive accreditation before it closed, uh, it did teach me a lot more about history of prohibition um and the different functions of cannabis and that's really interesting is that something you would um recommend people do is go to some of these colleges like i know in california they have um what is it uh the the amsterdam school in oakland and then here in portland they have a school i know in colorado there's a couple schools is that something that you found um helpful and that you would recommend well, I found it quite helpful. It was also an excellent, excellent networking opportunity. There are a lot of people who went to the Northeastern Institute of Cannabis who are now opening their own businesses. Um, one great example of that is Caroline's Cannabis. She will be opening her retail location in just a couple of weeks. Um, so she uh, will be sourcing products from all over the state to sell at her shop. Um, so. Not only was it a good educational experience, it was a great networking opportunity. There's, like I said, there's a lot of people who are now working in the industry who uh, got their start at Northeastern Institute of Cannabis. So, um, and other programs are popping up all over the country. Uh, in my Facebook feed just the other day, I saw a story about it. So, um, as the as the industry is more normalized, uh, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of job opportunities um, popping up all over the country. And, you know, education is power, knowledge is power, and it's going to put those people who are educated in a better position to land certain kinds of jobs. There are going to be other jobs that will be sourced from other industries. Um, for the food production, um, food production jobs are a great example of that. I was fortunate enough to get into the industry at a very early time, so <clears throat> I, I do believe I have an excellent future ahead of me. But there are also um, other other um, other jobs in newer companies that are coming in from other countries like uh, Canada, uh, and those companies are much much larger. They're coming from an established industry in Canada and, and uh, crossing the border into the U.S. And they are going to be sourcing for positions. Um, they're going to be sourcing from other companies like Coca-Cola, um, Frito-Lay, uh, you know, Johnson & Johnson, uh, places mm-hmm. like that. So um, <clears throat> there's, you know, like I said, knowledge is power. Um, the more education you have under your belt, the better right. off you'll be. Uh, but there are also uh, parts of, whatever industry you're working in now that could most likely be applied to the cannabis industry. Most definitely. Um, And I think that that's really good advice for our our listeners because, uh, you know, we're all doing something 
outside of the industry that can be now applied to any part of the industry, really. So, so you, you're doing all your activism and everything, and then what made you decide to then make that jump over to In Good Health? So um, I enjoyed making edibles, and while I was working in hemp retail, I was fortunate enough to have a very awesome boss who loved what I did. Um, I was creating new cookies, and my favorite cookie to make was the trail mix slash kitchen sink cookie. Um, <laughs> and he, he really enjoyed He He loved my work and um, asked me to cater a couple of events that he was holding um, in his home for some of the local politicians and local cannabis-related and uh, ancillary business owners um, in the state of Massachusetts. And it really kind of snowballed from there. Um, I got a little creative with what I brought to the table for that event. I did some infused hummus, some infused um, dipping olive oil, um, my famous cookies, um, as well as <laughs> a couple of other items. So um, it really that really helped to uh, show him that I could that I had what it took to be creative mm-hmm. and be accurate. Um, and he was also involved with In Good Health. Um, he was involved with their grow and uh, forwarded my resume to the CEO and I got an interview. I was among other candidates, um, but they liked what I brought to the table and the rest is kind of history. Well, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit about In Good Health. So In Good Health is located in Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> I believe you, we were the third license to be granted in the state and uh We've been open for about four years, um, and we've served tens of thousands of patients. Um, We do everything under one roof, so we grow, we extract, we infuse, and we retail under under the same roof. And we also operate our our delivery program under the same roof as well. We deliver all over the state except for Nantucket and Martha's Mm -hmm. Vineyard. So um, anywhere in Massachusetts. We can we can get cannabis to you. Wow, that's amazing! And so that's you must be extremely busy in your position there now, um, since you're just kind of over a huge operation, being the director. It it is it is a massive operation. Yeah, uh, my brain doesn't really shut off. At the end of the day, I may lose <laughs> the building, but my the ideas are always flowing, and I'm always thinking about um, how we can do things better. Um, that being said, it is a lot for one person to do on their own. And um, so I'm looking forward to the expansion of the company mm-hmm. so we can bring more people on board and I can train other people in uh, making the products that uh, I've been monitoring for the last almost uh, almost three years. My anniversary is in, uh, in April. So ah, um, congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so we're we're uh, we're expanding the kitchen. The kitchen's going to double in size, and uh, it's it's going to be an even bigger operation. We also um, wholesale all of our products to different locations around the state, and we are about to uh, be granted our um, uh, licenses to um, produce products to grow to retail at our location. So if you uh, went to In Good Health a year ago um, and you came back to In Good Health the other day, you would have seen a complete 180 
change. Wow. 180 degree change. The retail location, the retail um, uh, stations was totally different. Um, the displays are beautiful. The layout is incredible. Um, we're we're absolutely ready for the long lines and um, all of the customers and uh, keeping up with the patient demands as well. Oh wow, that's incredible. I mean, it's a it's a never ending um, workflow. I'm sure just trying to stay on top of everything. And that kind of leads me into my next question: What do you find are the specific challenges with edibles? in Massachusetts and, and, you know, and even in other states right now? Mm. So um, in Massachusetts specifically, we have a limit of 5.0 milligrams allowed per serving mm. and with a maxi- maximum of 20 servings per package. Mm-hmm. So that, per- that um, creates some obstacles for, for some products because, um, you have to really take into account, um, you have to put more scrutiny on how long it takes to make a certain batch of products, how many products you can get out of a single batch, and then you have to design the packaging in a way that <clears throat> caters to the 20-serving maximum. Um, you really have to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck in this situation because if you make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck, that means that the customer is also going to benefit because right. costs on our end will be reduced and thus it will create a lower cost per milligram um, for the purchaser. So uh, <clears throat> there are certain products that just might not work. There might be too much labor that goes into making a single piece um, right. versus making one product that can then be poured into a mold that shows 20 segments. Our chocolate bar mm-hmm. is a perfect example of of a good, what I believe is a is a great way to do it. Um, we have uh, we do an 85 to 90 milligram chocolate bar, that gives us a little bit of a cushion just in case something goes wrong. Not that we anticipate right. it, but um, you never know. Human, yeah. we're all human. Humans make right. mistakes. So, an error. Um, yep. Yeah. And then I designed a mold that is a two and a half by two and a half inch square. Um, and it is gridded into 20 segments, uh, and each segment has our infinity symbol um, on it, so you can tell who made it, and mm-hmm. it's uh, easy to make sure that you're getting the right dosage. Wow, that's great, and that's really important. I mean, dosaging is so important. I know that I've had edibles from the same bag, and you can tell that one is so much stronger than the next. So I know that that's a huge thing. And keeping things at five milligrams, um, that's really hard. We had to do that in Oregon. And, you know, the margin for error is really tight. Absolutely. So when you break off a piece of our chocolate bar, there is a little bit of a range, but it's typically between 3.3 to 3.8 milligrams per segment. Right. Um, with Because of the 85 to 90 milligram target that I've placed on each bar, it gives right. it a little bit of cushion, but it's still so small of a milligram content that if you were to accidentally ingest more than you had intended, um, you're not going to be too far off from what you what you were looking for. Right, right. And that's important. I mean, especially for someone like me, and I know there's others out there who have a really low tolerance. So you're really looking for the, the lower dose and not that higher experience, and that's, there's nothing worse than that. 
Yeah, well, if you want the higher experience, you can you can eat the whole bar. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so what kind of advice do you have for women entering in the industry um, as entrepreneurs? Oh, don't be afraid to be in the spotlight. Um, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one, I think. Um, it is absolutely hard. <clears throat> I mean, don't Definitely. you feel like we're all just a little bit insecure on some level? So if you're not an, a natural extrovert to push yourself and put yourself out there, that's really intimidating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, you know, half the battle is, is attending network events. Um, networking events are really important. It puts you in touch with the right people. If you are an introvert, you want to surround yourself with the extrovert. You want to surround yourself with the people that you meet at these events who can uh, go to bat for you and who can take over the role of being in the spotlight if that's not your forte. Um, that's really good advice. I, I'm, I'm, a bit of, I'm a bit of a mix of an introvert and extrovert, I'm able to perform. I'm, my degree is in music business and performance. So oh, okay. I spent, yeah, I spent about six years at Berkeley College of Music um, getting my dual degree in music business management and vocal performance. So I have a lot of experience with getting in front of groups of people and, and performing under pressure. But not everybody is like that. And I have my moments where, you know, I just don't, I don't want to do it today. <laughs> Right. So, um, but I but I have formed so many strong relationships with other people in the industry that you know when my name comes up in conversation they they're happy to you know go to bat for me and um, vouch for my for my work ethic and for my creativity and for my product. Um, well, that's so, that's really good advice, and I think um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I just feel like in this industry. Um, networking events are a lot easier than, let's say, if you were at, like, a banking event or, you know, a different type of corporate event. I think that people are a lot more open at these events. Um, I always come away feeling really encouraged when I go to the networking events, the cannabis networking events. Oh, yeah. I haven't been to a single event yet where I felt discouraged. It was um, – it's always been a positive experience, you know, for the most part. You know, stuff happens, but, you know, everybody's personality, personalities will clash. Um, and there are very, there can be very eccentric personalities in this industry, especially. A lot of people have been, you know, pushed into the woodwork over the years and have been operating and hiding. Um, mm-hmm. And some are not used to being in the spotlight or interacting with other producers or business owners, entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of people are used to working alone. So it's been really interesting to witness new relationships forming and some of them dissolving. Which happens mm-hmm. in any industry, but um, with, you know, there's the music, I come from the music industry, there's a lot of eccentric personalities in that industry as well, so I feel like I was sort of primed for um, <laughs> being able to handle that, <laughs> being able to handle artistic temperaments um, is, is a good skill, um, it translates well, it translates yeah, well. definitely, definitely. So do you have anything that you would like specific that you want to promote or a call to action for our listeners? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, well, there's always, there are always things being revised. The Cannabis Control Commission in Massachusetts is always making changes to um, policies and procedures and 
Uh, I think one important thing that people need to start doing is um, attending the Cannabis Control Commission uh, meetings that are open to the public, any hearings that you know of in your in your city or town. Um, there are a lot of towns that are voting to ban cannabis businesses, and if that's something that you don't want to see happen in your town, you need to say something. Um, there are also uh, different... Um, percentages that that towns are requiring cannabis businesses to contribute to the towns um, in return for the town allowing the cannabis businesses to operate there. And some of them can be quite high, quite steep, and can create a very large barrier to entry for smaller cannabis business owners uh, and and aspiring entrepreneurs. So if you um, uh, look at your town's website, and look at upcoming events, um, start attending those and, and make your voice heard because if you don't, then you might see changes in your town happen that, that you weren't expecting or you wish hadn't happened. Um, and so use your voice, um, gather a group of friends together, look at the website together and figure out a time when you can either uh, go and meet with representatives in person outside of a meeting or uh, get a group of friends together and go to any hearings together and make sure that your voice is being heard and that you are aware of everything that's going on. So these developments are happening very rapidly um, and they'll be set in motion and put on paper and signed before you've even realized it. So um, keep your wits about you. That would be That would be my best piece of advice. That's my call to action. That's really good advice because I have been to some of these hearings and I've seen things change because of public opinion, because of what the public is saying. And I think we get lulled into this. Well, somebody else will say it or, oh, well, it's already set in stone, so there's no use in changing it. And that's not true. Um, you know, collectively, we have a much stronger voice than individually. So going to those meetings and speaking up is really wonderful advice. And I hope that our listeners are encouraged to do that. Um, so Emily, gosh, thank you so much. You have been a wealth of information. I mean, we've learned that go to networking events, um, that these schools are actually pretty good and especially for meeting people and making connections. And then obviously um, your work in edibles, we wish you all the best of luck. I'm really excited to see that Massachusetts is legal now. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, it was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Your Highness Podcast. If you would like to be featured in a future episode or would like to inquire about possible sponsorship, email yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. That's yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at highnesspodcast. That's at highnesspodcast. Thanks again.